I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. There's a sense of deja vu about this year, lads, after what happened last year and the snow came and the fixture chaos came and now we have a situation that the hurling final is going to be put back to the last day of March. So we're backs against the wall here, JJ. JJ and Brian are here with me as usual. Backs against the wall, any more bad weather and the April for club is gone. So you can never predict, predict this one. You know. We couldn't see this coming whatsoever at who, all, couldn't we not? Who would have thought bad weather again <laughs> in Ireland at this time of the year? <laughs> ah, it's a, a disaster again, like, you know what I mean? But again, oh, fair enough, no problem at all. Waterlog Field can't play it. Um, obviously, the duty care for the players is, is huge. But yeah. it's just the, the supporters and fans going to these games, travelling down there as well. Obviously, if you know at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, that either that pitch is playable or not make that call in whether it's a referee's call and he has to be at the ground to see it shouldn't he be consulting the groundsman there their referee should be ringing the groundsman to see yeah. what kind of what kind of condition is it in what's the weather like down there when they get down there they make a call straight away just to let fans come in and, and a lot of lads paid into into the game and they're told just to look hold on to your ticket is this might go ahead and then they're sitting down in the stand made the effort of going to the game like it wasn't a great day yesterday at all you knew right well it wasn't game wasn't going to go ahead just need to there has to be a protocol in place there to, to say right 10 o'clock in the morning if it's going to be played just call it off there and then like that's the thing I can understand why they're giving it to the last minute Brian because they're under so much pressure with this bloody schedule that is so tight and there's no wiggle room that supporters are end up getting shafted like this that they're giving it every 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 chance to get to be played when like I mean what's what, how hard is it to get a referee to come three hours early and call the game off like I mean like JJ said it's obvious in most cases 
Yeah, it is obvious. But you have to feel for some of the supporters. Imagine driving from Galway. Ah, the Galway supporters. Yeah. yeah, like that is horrendous now without getting over there and then realising. I suppose, look, in other sports, it can be called off a lot sooner, maybe because the referees are, are maybe professional. Whereas obviously in GA, they're not getting a lot of money, those referees. They're, they are doing it. I know they're getting their basic expenses, but they are doing it for prestige as much as everything else too. So... Um, ask them to be there three hours beforehand. You'd want to be significantly increasing their their expenses if you're if you're asking that of them. To be fair, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's unfair. Ask. I actually had a football match. It's just when you mentioned the referee, he he landed yesterday morning in just the jersey and just the referee's jersey. Said this is one hardy who are coming across <laughs> the <laughs> across the field for it. But it is, you're right. Like I mean, they are amateurs. Uh, I don't know. Surely there is a better protocol, like you said, JJ, to have the game called off. That why do you need a referee to know that bloody there's water all over the pitch? This slitter isn't going to bounce. It's yeah, going to get okay. stuck. Do you need a referee to, to call yeah, that off? Or do you get two, both county board chairmen, both county managers, or whatever? I think, yeah, the county board chairman should be in consultation with the um, groundsman. The groundsman knows their own field better than anyone else in, in in the country at the moment. You know, so yeah, I think the county board chairman should be talking to the groundsman saying, right, is it playable or not? Is it 50-50, 70-30 or what's your, what's your position on this? Because again, they know the ground more than anyone else. Like, but again, yesterday, like, your last, last minute call on it, but you'd wonder if, say, the referee in the Limerick clear match knew the rest of them weren't going ahead would he have pulled it? Like, you know, what I mean? because was he under pressure to actually go ahead and play the game? Because obviously they thought the fixture they had to play the game that particular day but if he knew the other two games weren't going ahead he might have just said right okay there is going to be another game on next weekend we'll just pull it because it's safety of the players or not but I know it went ahead no one got injured no, lucky enough but it seemed to be it was snow coming down in the middle of the field as well like you know it wasn't great circumstances for any sport to be watching or any players to be playing on it either you know yeah I saw one or two people complaining on Twitter Brian saying it was the glamorous division 1A games and the glamorous division 1B game all the high profile games were called off then you have Carlo and Offaly in Leash and Dublin playing in conditions that weren't really good for hurling and because they weren't the very top games they weren't called off is there anything in that or is that just complaining for nothing Uh, I think that's just unfortunate in this situation Uh, look fair play to the couple of teams that did out there I I played yesterday morning as well and it was a nightmare Um, it was so cold so wet if I went to raise the ball you came up with more muck than the ball um, <laughs> so it wasn't it wouldn't have been my favourite favorite thing now it wouldn't have been my cup of tea that type of hurling but um, yeah look in terms of trying to I suppose the referee is the only impartial person in terms of calling off a game whereas groundsmen uh, county board chairman they might be at loggerheads over whether the game should go ahead and and then obviously it's up to the referee the only impartial person in the situation because we know if it filters down to club level there's plenty of strokes can be pulled where teams know that players missing you know and, and, yeah. and don't want to don't want games to go ahead I know that's down at, at, at lower levels at county, county level obviously it's different but I suppose they're trying to get some sort of conformity that works down across every level but um you know, it, it's a tough one. Uh, it's not an easy fix, and I, I do feel for the supporters because they are the ones caught in the middle of all of this. But going back to your original question in terms of the Division One games, I think, look, in fairness, I think it was quite obvious that the fields couldn't be played on. Actually, going back, that that reminds me of a, a game we played against Leash in Port Leash. Um, it was around 2005, I think it was, maybe 2006, and because it was live on telly, it went ahead, and there was about. No exaggeration, there was about three inches of water on the field that day. It was absolutely scandalous. 
but um, I think that there was huge pressure that the game had to go ahead it was, it was a televised live game for the day and um, I, I just I can recall one of my, my best mates Barry Teaton going to a ball after about 30 seconds and ended up doing a cleansman in, in the middle of the water <laughs> and just being drowned like it was that bad and I'm not exaggerating the water was coming in up over my boots like it, like it was just ridiculous um, but was, and I was marking none other than a lovely Claire Healy like a dog of a corner back back then and, uh, so it's a lad to be marking on such a day as well jeez yeah that, that, that would be he probably prayed for rain the night before <laughs> Healy just to really dog, dog you out of it completely but now that you mention it you played a game yesterday I'd say at least you started the game I went playing intermediate football yesterday and was on the bench it was heartbreaking lads it was freezing so <laughs> went running went running across the kind of there's a kind of a soggy pitch in Portlaoise across to the pitch we're playing on and by the time it even reached the pitch we're playing on for the warm up my feet were wet so I knew then straight I've enough, ex- I've enough experience to know wet feet subs bench oh for folks and like it was two degrees in the car when it was pulling up so I was immediately in bad form so by the time I actually got brought on I got maybe 12 or 15 minutes I actually wanted to say I don't want to go on I'm freezing I just I don't want to go I don't need this and then I didn't want to look like I was stagging and, and you know so I, like, I was in an awful kind of situation where I did not want to come onto that field I don't know if you remember the Arky ad from years ago where the, the sub, sub is asked to come on and he puts his hand out and then sees the rain and goes nah not today <laughs> well I, I Jesus I swear to God any player around the country that tugged out and played with your club or county yesterday deserve a lot of credit because that was just that's just a real vocation when you're going out in conditions like that and the referee in just the jersey comes landing in like probably only Bad getting t- what would he be getting off, off each club 20 quid 40 each quid. Yeah. 40, 40, 40 quid each 40 quid, yeah. 20 20 each, quid yeah. each and he coming out to run, run around that I swear it's, it's a very <laughs> special organisation I know we give out about it a lot lads but isn't it a very special organisation to do that kind of thing so the only game that we saw, lads, because obviously Tipperary Cork was down to be on TG Cahar and that was replaced by Roscommon Dublin. Jeez, there was so much football on this weekend, um, no hurling at all. So all we can talk about this game was just the highlights we saw on League Sunday last night. So, like, I mean, the big talking point out of League Sunday for me last night was Davy Fitzgerald's carry-on, uh, JJ. I'll start yeah, with you. Yeah. Like, very unusual uh, carry-on from him. Seemed to be unbelievably hyped up and uh, pulled across Galan for the penalty across his knee. And then Galan got up and Davy Fitzgerald attacked him. Like, Galan had done something to him. Yeah. So, no, number one, he hits Galan across the knee with the hurl. Then he runs at him and hits him a shoulder. Then Galan grabs him by the neck like pinches his neck and David Fitzgerald falls down like like, like it was almost like Galan had some special power in his hand (laughs) you know that kind of Star Trek Vulcan the Vulcan (laughs) thing that Spock used to do one inch punch the one yeah straight away like he's Bruce Lee so now now (laughs) Davy who's six foot three he's lying rolling around the ground and Galan looks like he has superpowers yeah it was (laughs) The only thing, probably look local derby. Um, he's wound up for for the game as well. Um, the only thing I can think of what he was doing for that penalty was that he hoping that Galan would, would react and yeah. then get the ultimate that's wrong too, though, it isn't is wrong, it? All right, but again, circumstances <laughs> you have to do what you have to do now to get this decision reversed. But he didn't. And the best thing was when he fell on the ground, he just told to get back up again. Yeah, you're acting a fool here. Now. Get back up again. You're embarrassing yourself. Get back on again. Now it was he done it a couple of times during that game as well. So. Look, I'm giving him, giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's the first time I've seen him doing it. 
but if this thing happens it happens I'd say referees will cop onto a lot more opposing managers will cop onto a lot more even opposing players will cop onto a lot more so I'm hoping now it's only a, a one off from Davy because look again he's 6 foot 3 6 foot 4 around 14 15 stone yeah. he shouldn't be falling to the ground that easy to be yeah. right. well we don't know about Galan's superpowers that's the thing <laughs> well like I mean JJ Bryan says that we saw it once we don't want to see it again we, di- we actually saw it again in the same game so at the very end then he's celebrating and he's going yeah yeah and all this and he's clearly trash talking lads and Keane Lynch got a bit pissed off with this and he just kind of came up and bumped them um, their two helmets kind of might have made a bit of contact but nothing, nothing in it now he's down holding his face he's a face guard on him I'm sure his face would be perfectly fine there was no <laughs> impact at all so like he, he made a show of himself Davy Fitzgerald really did and um, I'm sure when he looks that like in fairness to Davy Fitzgerald and we saw it in football terms we saw it with our man Donegal lad you can't even if you're not that type of player you can lose your mind a little bit in a game that there was a lot of niggly stuff and there was clearly a lot of uh, you know hard man stuff going on off the ball and in that game and players that wouldn't usually act like, like that maybe he just lost his mind a little bit yeah hopefully that's what it was but it was embarrassing for him now I have to say and I won't mind we were singing his praises last week yeah. and I was defending hurling um, its virtues a couple of weeks ago saying there's no diving in hurling we don't have that <laughs> <laughs> and then Davey comes along and uh, absolutely ruins my, my theory um, no both of them were embarrassing now being honest and I'm sure he, he knows that better than anyone uh, you don't like to see that creep into the game and you know it, it is a trait like there's nothing hardy about that. Like it is a trait. It's it's probably it's not. I won't say creeping in, but it, it, you can you can see it from time to time. This kind of rubbish of of burying a lad, and then the minute someone touches you, you're lying down yourself, rolling on the ground. Like I don't find that one bit tough. I have to say, um, you know, if you're going to give it to a lad, you can expect it back as far as I'm concerned. And the two you can get on with, and like it or lump it, it's a man's game at the end of the day. And like the referee should know when. You know, you don't mind a little bit of sorting out. Don't don't be sending them off too soon, or, or yellow carding too soon either. There's there's a there's an element of that, or else the the whole manliness comes out of the game, and we're going to lose, you know, all respect for it. And I think that's the one thing that we enjoy about hurling at the moment is the fact that that we know when there's a bit of intent there, and we know when there's just a little bit of sorting out to be done. Yeah, there, there's nothing worse, JJ, and you see it in hurling all the time. There's two lads standing beside each other, and I don't know how you can take it. Like, I mean, it's just obviously from getting the butt of the hurl so many times you don't feel it as much and you're both kind of doing it to each other and like I mean whatever yeah, like it, it clear it, you see it enough to know that it's obviously not hurting you that much but then one lad might do it another lad might do it and then the other lad goes down yeah, well you've yeah. just been doing it to each other yeah. you know it, it's really it's, 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 sneaky, it's sneaky really isn't it, it is, you know? it's preempted because look if I hit you you hit me I'm going to hit the ground the lad retaliates is going to be the person that hits you know what I mean so that's it is, it is there for it but I don't mind look if you were going starting it out with man on man no issues whatsoever you'd often see any good referees two lads are shouldering each other the game is played on two lads are still shouldering each other looking at each other what are we doing here we're just wasting our time the game is playing on so we'll yeah. just forget about it like, but what I don't like is creeping into the game is people shouting in people's face their hands are down yeah. and they're shouting in people's face and you're kind of saying that's not manly either like you know what I mean you're, you're looking for your action again. it's all kind of preempting this I mean, if I do this now this lad's going to react and I don't know is it going down to kind of known your opposition players a little bit too well that these lads is hot headed a bit so he can react yeah. um, I don't know if that's coming into play now or not but 
one thing I can stand on, on, a, on a field is someone just shouting in someone's face and then kind of running off or laughing in their face or something like that. It's probably the most ignorant thing you can do on the field, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. They, with the, that's a point JJ makes there. They definitely know each other well. And John Kiley said after the game, um, Brian, that there's a mutual respect there. Now, I didn't see much mutual respect. I'd say some of the younger lads in college together would respect each other. But there's definitely lads on both those teams that don't really respect each other. Definitely, yeah. There's a huge rivalry there, and it was, it was, it was, you know, it was on the, I was on the edge yesterday. I have to say, and I suppose conditions definitely would have yeah, lent itself to that as well, because in that mucky weather, there was a lot of rocks, and um, you know, it, it, it allowed for all the players coming flying in at times. And look, we've seen it right before the throw-in as well. But um, in fairness, I think it was Marty Morrison. I think commentary he did highlight it. You know, there was times the referee should have just let it let it go, like, and and don't be don't be going into talks with them sometimes because you're only you're allowing this situation to fester. So, right. like, sometimes let the play go on, and as Jay just says, the two of them are going to turn around, like, and eventually break it up, like, you know what I mean? There's there's a there's enough cop on there now with intercounty that you know you you might get like. A little bit of sorting out, but there's no there's no major malice done at inter county level in Hurling because there's cameras everywhere, there's linesmen, there's sport officials, everyone umpires watching it at this stage. So that kind of um, there's no real damage done as far as I'm concerned. So just let let lads sort it out and get on with the play. The, the more more open you leave the game, um, the better it is. And we we you've seen that down through the years. I think that's the one gripe that hurling people have is that you know we don't want to see the stop start nature of hurling and the constant freeze. It's kind of like let it go. Brian Gavin obviously was the, the master of that as the referee, <laughs> and JJ let appreciate that one. <laughs> no, but it, but he was to be fair because look, there's no there's no rules, so there's common sense in 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 the rule book. But he had common sense and yeah, he applied yeah, yeah. it to hurling. So like that's really really important. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And there was only one referee better than Brian Gavin for that, and that was Brian Cody in the A versus B. He'd lose it. <laughs> He'd lose his whistle altogether. Yeah. Um, one, a quick one that crossed my mind when I was watching the highlights is the very first ball that went in uh, to he, the Clare goalkeeper, came out. And he took the ball on his hurl and he miscontrolled it. And I was just thinking, why didn't he catch that? And then I was wondering if you're catching a ball waist height where your ball your hand is un- an underhanded catch is that a really difficult thing to do and are you better off take it on the hurl in that situation JJ I'd say he was just kind of he's, he's in a sprinting out now and he probably probably take it on the hurl but um, no when, when you're catching underneath hand it's is actually, it harder it's, no it's probably no? easier because your ball coming ahead high you're trying to catch it or grab it like that but when the ball is kind of falling into your hand it's actually easier to, to, to catch it that way right? but I'd say he just wanted to control he wanted to get out there I say he probably had, he was on top of the ball before he realised it and then he wanted to take a touch on the hurl didn't let's say he forgot about the the um, circumstances of the wind and rain and everything like that as well and hurl is probably wet there as well so the ball would just fly off the hurl there as well like you know right. no it is easier kind of if the ball is just falling down catching under under underhand rather than overhand like head high like that ah okay so maybe he lost it in the air baby Brian and it was easier to do it taking on her because he wouldn't be in general play he wouldn't be using the hurl with the huge boss that's just for the puckouts um. He would, you know, he'd still be using the big hurl all the time, yeah. Oh, would he, yeah? Um, yeah, he would, yeah. Um, very, at this stage now, a lot of keepers don't even change their hurls. They're, so, they're using a lot of the same hurl, uh, both for puck out and goal. That day, throwing it out to the six-yard box is kind of gone. Is it? Um, yeah. So they tend to use a lot. Of, so there's the odd goalie up and down the country will still use maybe the cool tech or something to get the extra few yards. But a lot of keepers use the same hurl now for, um, throughout the whole game. But yeah, I'd say, like what Jay just said, could have misjudged the sight of the ball and just it was on him before he knew it and just went with the hurl. 
look, it's, it's personal preference at times. You just it's a split the second decision, so you you know you're not preempting it really. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, oh yeah, Rory Hayes, the two the two last frees. Very harsh to free on Mulcahy. I thought for that young fella. Yeah. I didn't think he fouled Mulcahy. Now he put his hand on Casey's back in right, case he yeah. made the most of it. It didn't look like the most aggressive punch in the world, but his inexperience. He he's a lively little player. That that uh, Hayes. We obviously didn't see him yesterday, but I saw enough of him in the other yeah. games. Um, that he he's he's got great pace, but he showed his inexperience. Even putting your hand there. Now yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think Casey played for it, but don't put your hand there. No, don't it, it was obvious enough. He was left handed on as well, and the referee was at that side of it as well. So it's very easy for the referee to give that free. Like. He, he made it too easy for the referee. The first one he gave, I agree with you, it was very, very harsh. He was he done he blocked him down brilliantly. And yeah. He went into he had him under pressure, and I think even Graham McCarthy was surprised he got the free of that one. But no, with the the last one that went in there, he just made it too easy for for the referee to give the free on it. You know what I mean? But then again, that comes with experience. There's a lot of space in front of him. I tell you, he panicked a bit when the ball was coming in. That um, he, look, especially within conditions. If you let the, the corner forward get into that position, hold him up, he's still 30 or 40 yards out. He'll have to hit off the back foot. Very, very very hard score to get yeah. anyway. But again, he jumped in. He was kind of too anxious to get the ball. And But again, a bit of experience then. He would have stood back and let, make it, make the corner forward play it, you know. But again, look, valuable experience for him to take off the team. But I think he's a good, good player now, in fairness to him. Yeah, he that's comfortable on the ball. He does. That, that's definitely the thing. Like, I mean, you'll tell any player, let him let them score from play at that stage the referee's going to look to, to level this yeah. up don't yeah. give them any excuse he wants to level it up you yeah. have to have that in your head he's trying to find a foul here yeah. to make everyone go home happy yeah. don't, yeah. as don't, a crowd pleaser is <laughs> <laughs> don't give it there was a pitch inspection in the Leash Dublin match now the Leash Dublin match was played in terrible conditions Leash were winning most of the game um, then they went the last 20 minutes without getting a score so like I mean it shouldn't have it was saying that like any player trying to change direction or stop and sprint cause cause players to fall theatrically. So, like, I mean, it was farcical by yeah. all accounts. By reading the, it was just a battle that Leash were well up for and were well able well in the game. Um, uh, Maddie Kenny was interviewed afterwards and he said, "I thought Liam Rush was immense today with the amount of ball he got." Liam was obviously picked at full forward, but he came out in the half forward line and he was getting on some ball and getting in some amount of tackles. So in the last quarter, we moved Danny Sutcliffe up full forward. Ushin was after coming on. I thought Ushin was very sharp. Didn't know much about Danny Sutcliffe playing in the full forward line. He's in a rich vein of form, uh, Brian. Is, is this somewhere he, where he's been in and around before? Is this a, Mas- a Matty Kenny uh, experiment? No, he's probably more accustomed to the half forward line or, or even midfield. But look, he he's such a class talent, and maybe they might have looked at trying to expose Matthew Whelan a full back then as well. Because Matthew obviously would love the whole idea of high ball coming in top from it and physically dominated. So right. they might have thought that they could have got him out from from the edge of the square, maybe. Um, at that stage, and look, I suppose they were trying to just try different things and and bring players into the game, but. You know, there's two hugely experienced players there for Dublin. Liam Rush, like he's on the go a long time, um, as well. And so versatile. He's played absolutely everywhere for Dublin. Um, so you know, he he seems to be knuckling down again this league, and like, he's setting himself up for a good championship. Hopefully, he didn't. He hasn't been scoring a lot now in this league, but um, you know, at least he's, he's getting back in there and getting game time under his belt because he can be a huge player for Dublin too. Yeah, exactly. So Leash lost the game. They were well in at the whole. It was thirteen eleven. It finished yeah, up. Um, yeah, like I mean, the Leash went into an early lead. Leash are now in the quarter final, so yeah. they play Limerick. So we have one quarter final um, decided. We know Westmead are going up to Division One A next year, or Division Yeah, Division One A. 
Um, so they're definitely going to be in the thick of it with all the teams. We were trying to name them out last Thursday of who was actually going to be in that. So Westmead are going to have. No, we don't know for definite who's up, by the way, because the said league final. Oh, Le- Le- yeah. Westmead play Kerry. Sorry, that's it. So yeah. Westmead play Kerry in the league and final. Carlo and Offaly are playing. Is it next week again? For Carlo and Offaly yeah, playing next, next week weekend. again. In Tullamore. Okay. So we did you a big massive favour that we said we'd do if you the week, <laughs> Here, hang on. Sort of leash, that's ha- hang ready, on, buddy. Man. I predicted that. I said Offaly to win that. <laughs> I, I, I predicted Offaly to win that. I said that's it. Offaly like, won't be losing to Carlo. But this was another. Did you hear much about this? I know you had your own game, uh, Brian. This was another yeah. terrible conditions. Joel Berg and Shane terrible Dooley. Condition. It's not rocket science when you get your best players back yeah. and, and no. going well. Like, I mean, that's it. Yeah, no, in fairness to the two boys, look, for four goals between them, and look, it's exactly what you need. They've obviously a wealth of experience. They've been two of Offaly's best forwards in, in, for a long, long time now, and, you know, they are your go-to men. So, um, Shane slowly getting back to fitness, but look, he's obviously class when he's in form. And uh, Joe's been back for the last couple of league games, and he's coming back into form as well. So, look, it's brilliant. It, it's it's amazing where we had such a poor league up to now, but the you know the performance have been slowly improving, and you know that was a big win because it's about to set the scene to, to Carlo ahead of next week. That you know uh, James Thickey's famous statement of being ten points a worse team than Carlo's. Uh, hopefully, we'll come back uh, to roost next weekend if we can. Does he never forget about you know that? Oh well, I've reminded him recently. I've reminded him recently. Exactly. I've been reminded of that. <laughs> so, like, I mean, but, uh, I, I see though at least like Leash have home advantage now against Limerick in the league, and oh, they won the um, toss, did they? Well, I didn't. They won the toss. That's Saturday night at seven pm in, in Omore Park, okay. and like that one league quarterfinal is going ahead next Saturday, and the other three matches are down for next Sunday at two pm. So we'll have one quarterfinal decided, <laughs> and uh, the other, the other, like the other three won't be played till the week after. Right, okay. See, that's the thing. And the last round of the league games, they all had to be played the Sunday. The Saturday night was uh, would have been well playable, like this weekend. So, is everybody back from Offaly now, Brian, or what's the story? Like, I mean, because I saw you retweeting an article and I read it. Um, it was about uh, Offaly not being in the Leinster Championship and uh, kind of apathy around the county, and you know, players not wanting to commit and everything. Is that is that case? Because you were saying in the very first show that it was more players being injured and stuff. That yeah, we still have a few boys uh, injured um, still to come back. The likes of Bush and Kelly and Keelan Kiley. Um, How far are they away? I seemingly the most fighting creatures are in the league at all but right. that's, that's a bit of a pity um, but I suppose there's only one week week left in the league for us so um, but hopefully we'll have him back for the for the um, Joe McDonough outside Leinster Championship but no the Joe McDonough can't say that um, this cup, year so. no can't say that yeah look there, there are other players within Offaly that are you know should be involved in the county setup for many various reasons but uh, like it, it, it gets frustrating people probably to the people on the ground here in Offaly to, to know that there are other people that should be in there and you know as I said look at some of it's their own personal choice some of it uh, was taken by the manager and uh, you know there, there are a couple of issues at play if we had everyone like I, I firmly believe we'd be still in the Leicester Championship but with the current uh, guys of the Le- Leicester Championship do I think we could survive in it? I don't think so either, being honest, because right. I still think we'd get a hard push to beat anyone in the current Leinster Championship. Uh, we might we might run teams a bit closer, but essentially, you know, we're, it's not like these players are going to suddenly make us into Leinster winning team or, or an Ireland winning team. So we'd still struggle under the current system um, of the of the Leinster Championship. So I see Kevin Martin's adding to his backroom team. So he's recruited sports a sports psychologist, Amory Kenny. 
as well as Olympian Dave Matthews to his backroom team. So, um, like, I mean, I don't know much. I think Dave Matthews has taken the taken the fitness strength and conditioning. Stre- yeah, strength and conditioning. He, he sacked the Kevin sacked the strength and conditioning guy after the Waterford debacle. Um, so, uh, what was the what was that again? Remind me. Well, when Waterford beat us by twenty something. Oh, points. the hammering! Right. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So. I don't, look, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not in there. It's just bad optics, I suppose. We took a heavy beating, and, and the strength and conditioning guy gets blamed. But um, <laughs> I'm sure there was there was more to it than that. Because it wasn't just it wasn't just strength and conditioning that day. Um, yeah. So look, that's that's him in there. So um, in terms of the the sports psychology, I suppose. Look, it is tough from an athlete perspective. Like everybody in Offaly there's such apathy everyone's telling you every dog in the street even probably parents and, and relations are telling players like what are you doing in there what are you wasting your time for you know you're going nowhere I suppose there does have to be some sort of psychology brought into play to to try and arrest that and, and try and put a stop to it and, and build players minds because it is tough you know it is it's huge negativity here yeah know? yeah no doubt I was reading I was doing a bit of research I was supposed to interview a Limerick player um, and it's fallen, it's fallen true for now. We might talk to him later on in the championship. But I was doing a bit of research and mentioning the sports psychology, and it was Karen uh, or Caroline Curid is with them, and she was telling them not to play on emotion. She said, if you play on emotion, you play in peaks and troughs. You remove the motion, you find the consistency. And I thought it was a really, really interesting thing because every bloody GA speech I've heard in my whole life has been based off emotion. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, we're doing it for the parish. I mean, we're doing it all arseways. We're <laughs> yeah. going out going, rah! <laughs> She'd be all zen walking out into the field, isn't it? <laughs> but isn't that interesting, though, to say to remove emotion and you'll get the consistency in your yeah. game? That you're not, because I suppose if you are basing it on emotion all the time, then what happens if, yeah. all right, if, what if you're not playing your fierce rivals and what if you're not, you know, playing something yeah. that you need a, an emotional speech to get you up for that you should be able to do that naturally I'd say throughout the year now you're probably you'd be hoping you get that balance but come all in the final semi-final and if you're playing your neighbours whatever it is your emotions are going to go through the roof as well and just kind of trying to balance that as much as you can throughout the year if you could get that balance right you'll be there thereabouts 100% you'll actually play to your potential but there's certain games and certain aspects and certain times during games that your emotions will take over you're only human at the end of the day but you have to try and get it up and get back down to where you, you should be as, as quick as you can really more than anything you're not going to waste so it's, yeah. I agree with what you're saying but it's probably throughout the whole year if you even gather that that kind of zen like thing throughout the year but there is times that your emotion will take the battery and you'll just kind of go on your instincts really more than I think that's, that's the thing but I don't know how Davey survives because uh, <laughs> you know the whole world is against him when he's a little fish so yeah. I don't know how he keeps these players uh, going well let's just say Davey wouldn't be hiring Caroline Cure at any time <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they get, I don't think they get on too well but the greatest example of this one and it's a real confusing one is the 1996 All-Ireland Right, Wexford and Limerick. So Limerick come out tearing out into the field, passion run out into the field, and they're come tearing out of the restroom. Wexford walked out. Do you remember Martin Story leading them out, and they just walked out, casual, cool, calm. Wexford won the game, but Limerick got the better start. Yeah. <laughs> isn't yeah. it a strange one? Isn't it? It's crazy, actually, when you think about it. Um, but Wexford were probably known for their passion and their, and their pride and everything like that as well. And probably people looking out and saying, Jesus, are, are they ready to play this game at all? But again, yeah, it was strange in Hurland to yeah. see them just stra- saunter out, wasn't it? If you can it? win, you can just, you're, you're supposed to come out of the dressing room and 
take the door off the hinges yeah. and drive out through everyone uh, hit the, the closest person <laughs> too you know and all that get out the field as quickly as possible but yeah it's funny the way it happens uh, w- the way it works out it definitely is the the Walsh Park news then um, Derek McGrath was very honest I thought last night which look it's hardly a surprise to hear that Derek McGrath is honest he's honest to a fault um, a lot of the time he said that he wasn't uh, forceful enough and he shouldn't have accepted Walsh Park not being their home venue and it took the Newbridge or Nowhere um, thing Brian for him to realise Jesus we could have actually made a stand here and said that the home advantage is a huge thing um, as everybody knows in sport and they should have fought for it that bit harder Yeah like you'd feel for Derek McGrath because like, he's so honest as you said he's actually taking this blame all on his own which you know like let's be fair it's not just Derek McGrath's fault um, I know he'd say he was you know the leader or the manager that should have put his foot down but there was many more you know it was the whole county board the pressure of the Munster Council you know they even looked at trying to have their games in, in um, Nolan Park as far as I can remember and that Kilkenny were happy enough to allow both games to go ahead in Nolan Park so at least it was easy access for their supporters or a lot easier for their supporters and that was even turned down so I suppose they, they just felt they had no choice but um, I suppose the, the Newbridge or Nowhere gathered massive uh, media exposure and, and and the whole country got behind Kildare from that perspective because you could see you know how ridiculous a decision was but you know the, the most disappointing thing from that perspective is, is the recent decision at, at, at Central Council that's more or less removed that from from um, the counties now that they're able to do that to CCCC or how many amount of seas it is are able to just make a decision now on health and safety grounds Yeah, we have listened to that bullshit excuse of health and safety grounds in Offaly for the last 15 years since Burr has been removed um, so that was the excuse they kept throwing time after time at everyone in South Offaly that's why the reason we weren't allowed to use Burr and it always had to be in Tullamore very annoying Right and you're with, I mean, are you still looking for the Burr you, you, uh, Burr is the spiritual home of Offaly hurling and you'd prefer to play there still yeah, definitely. Like uh, you, everyone. Uh, I know people are going to roll their eyes to heaven over this one, but <laughs> yeah, we'd we'd be a lot happier to hurl our our league games in Bor and hurl our club championship matches in Bor. And obviously, it, it's a no-brainer that the championship matches are in Tullamore. Um, right. You know that's that that's a given. But yeah, the league and 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 club championship in particular should be should be in Bor. And we've we've hurling people have long looked for that and. Um, it just seems to have fallen in deaf ears and as I said the, the health and safety was the one thrown at us for a long time now Right okay so you're all all, uh, all excused out with that one what do you think JJ? Yeah even when we were going playing awfully before never like going to Burr um, it's just the whole history of the name to the club what they're after achieving as well like that whole thing plays in your mind when you're going up there as well and you never enjoy going up there um, so yeah I, I fully agree with what Brian's after saying there as well and that that first thing I think of when Offaly's home pitch would be Borough as well and we played there a few times as well and we were great games against them too but very tight field and the crowds in the top it is just brilliant atmosphere to play into you know kind of way so I can really fully appreciate where Brian is coming from that one Right okay Come here, Mike. Well the worst is Wally, just for one second the worst is that other counties were able to pick and choose county venues as they saw fit we see Monaghan playing yeah. in all their club grounds yeah. they spread it around to four or five different club grounds you know Limerick at times has had to play in Kilmallock I played them in Kilmallock myself you know so there's Wexford we played in New Ross one time so there's there's yeah. lots of various reasons that you can play outside of your designated county so ground park, or park your ring as well park 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 yeah. I suppose after the Offaly County Board paying so much money on O'Connor Park they want to get use out of it no I suppose that's a big but one yeah but there, there you go and that's my my counter argument that is, that's a monetary decision you're not putting 
what's most important is your players, your supporters, and and maybe you might be able to influence results um, somewhat. Even if it's only in the mind, it doesn't matter because sometimes it's it's it's, it's all in the mind. So it's just it's just it's disappointing to see monetary decision ruling over everything else. You know? but, yeah, it's just on that monetary thing now. While we have it brought up, I might as well get your two hurling opinions, JJ. I'll start with you. What do you make of Dublin footballers getting two Super Eight games in Croke Park? What do you make? Do you, do you think Croke Park's a home venue for them? It definitely is a home venue. Yeah, from look from a non-educated <laughs> football game you're of a guy. Educated? You're a footballer too. You're a jewel star. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it's very very straightforward forward at Crow Park is their home game any time I see Dublin playing on at, at home in the league it's in Crow Park yeah. any time we see him playing championship it's in Crow Park so for me to be looking at it yeah 100% that Crow Park is why should they have two games there I just don't agree with um, I know there's an argument with Parnell Park so there's only X amount can watch it again we had that a conversation for, from Newbridge there last year it's only one game throughout the whole year yeah. why not let make them play in their actual home game as well or or let's them admit that Crow Park is their home game one or the other because it's just every game we see Dublin footballers playing on telly when they're at home or they are playing in Dublin in the, within the county it's in Crow Park yeah. so to me that's their home game yeah. their oh, home they've, they've admitted it now Brian they've given them their home game in Crow Park in the Super 8 so it is their home ground like I mean there, there's actually no debate about that anymore no there's no debate and they, they don't care because as far <laughs> as they're concerned it, it is all about money and you know Dublin is their cash cow and they need them going as well as possible and you kind of heard that yourself from Tom Ryan in your own interview, the importance of yeah. keeping Dublin up there at the top. And, you know, they fully stand over all the money that they give to them in terms of their coaching and everything. So they're happy enough to back it and keep going as, as long as it's possible. But like, what's worse is, in fairness to Jim Gavin and his players, they would have no problem if they're playing anyone up north, playing them in Clonus or, you know, anyone down south coming down to Turles. Sure, they love it, in fairness to them. They're, they're the best that, that's possible and they never fear playing anyone in whatever whatever venue that they're asked to play in. And I think, in fairness, like, they've taken their lead from Kilkenny in that perspective too because you were very happy, JJ, like, even at underage, no problem handing over home advantage in Leinster finals and, and, and stuff like that. To, I've seen them do it with Leash and, and Westmead and stuff. So, you know, sometimes if you're to be, if you're going to be the best, you know, um, you're you're not afraid of taking on these teams outside of your home venue. So it's just disappointing from the from the top brass perspective because again, it is, as you said, a, a monetary decision. Yeah, no, it definitely is uh, disappointing. Quickly, I'll ask you. I want to ask you about performance coaches. Now, I talked to Damien the other day about this, and there seems to be a takeover in hurling circles with uh, Gaelic footballers coming in as experts and. I'm cynical about it. I don't know really what they could bring a hurling setup. Kieran Donahue's gone to the Galway hurlers. Kieran Donahue's a brilliant, brilliant fella. He's an All Ireland winner. He is an inspirational type of fella. He'd be a great talker. Um, the Galway players are all All Ireland winners. Mm. Like there's Player of the Years there. Like I mean, I'm not sure what he could tell them. He can't tell them anything technically from hurling. I don't know what he can teach them about winning. Maybe there is something. I was making the point. It's not even an easy gig for Kieran Donaghy to come into a team. Like yeah. you know what I mean? You have Desi Farrell gone into the Dublin hurlers. It might be a bit easier for him. He's won an All Ireland. They haven't. Oshie McConville was in with the Leash Hurlers. That would be an easier one. This is how, you know what I mean, the winning mentality, mm. all those kind of things. Um, Kier McGinney was in with Tipperary. Probably more difficult one with him. They were all Ireland winners. It's a weird one, isn't it? Uh, Damien was of the opinion that it's you're just looking for a new voice and an extra edge. Yeah, I suppose look what Kieran Donny is, is after bringing to the table of what he done with Kerry. And I suppose the whole mentality behind what his team done with Kerry as well 
they done a couple like they were consistently up at the top table for a long long time and I suppose uh, you know, I don't know was probably looking at like, we kind of fell at the last hurdle last year what can we do extra now this year again an extra vice like that I think you bring a, an air of confidence Kieran seems to be a very very confident guy like, and you played very very confident you played very very vocal as well on the field and even if he gets expresses that much in that when you're on the field express yourself like, there's no there's no there's no issues in you shouting at the, the guy next to you or get him going because he was always kind of very vocal like that way and he was a leader for his own carry, that carry team everyone looked up to him when he was playing so if he can get a couple of players going that extra 5 or 10% that they didn't have last year that would bring Goblet back up right back up in contention again they will, they're good look they won't be in contention anyway but if Kieran Donnelly can bring on 3 or 4 of them players who went below their own power there last year if they can bring back up to where they went 2 years ago the sky's their limit for the, for the, that Galway Hurling team as yeah. well. Like. So you're pr- you would be pro footballers coming in. What do you think, Brian? You're not getting you're you're not getting defensive now or anything about Gaelic footballers taking over the small ball game or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, totally alien. Go away. <laughs> uh, you, don't be bringing your problems into our game now. Thank you very much. We're we're nearly getting rid of our sweeper system, so uh, we're nearly back to the. Well, you're the diving, virtues. you're diving now and everything, so it's in for, you're being <laughs> exactly. infiltrated. Is there, there any go. coincidence here? here. <laughs> <laughs> we have it ruined. Um, oh, look, I think we're looking for fine margins at this stage when when you're bringing in people like that. Um, I, I think it can get a little bit complicated, over over complicated. Um, Maybe it's too simplistic a view, and maybe I just don't have the insight anymore. Being outside the tent for the last couple of years, but you know, uh, sorry, but if Kieran Donahue's the one that's going to motivate you. It more or less says enough about yourself, really. Um, get on with it. There's sometimes home truths are needed, um, and and you need to look yourself in the mirror and and, and stop looking for crutches, as far as I'm concerned. Because uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. You don't need any outside influence. Like Hurland's a very primal game from that perspective. Yeah. Okay, I know there's tactics and all that, but it is very much win your own battle and win your own ball and get yourself in the best form as possible. Obviously, you have to be supporting that, but sure, isn't that what your manager's job is to do, like essentially? Well, that's see, I'm I I I'm very old fashioned in this kind of thing, and I like a performance coach for me now would be gobbledygook, and there's no need for it. And you've I'd be of Brian's opinion there. But I suppose when you look at it as well, I, I, another thing I think it's a fad. I think it's because Dublin yeah. footballers got in Bernard Dunn as performance coach okay. and he's walking around and whatever he's saying to the players, load it. I, I've died. look, I'm too cynical and too <laughs> old for it. And the point Brian makes there, maybe I'm too long out of the intercounty game to mm. even know what these lads do or what they're... I just don't see what they... they like, I mean... I, I, ju- I don't get it and I do think it's I do think it's a fad but then you have to look at it and if he only helps two fellas yeah. isn't two fellas being helped in any way he can help them better than none so yeah, I don't right. I, I, I don't know what to think about it JJ it's a look again these things will if you win the all Ireland God will go ahead and win the all Ireland this year it's the best thing ever done you know that kind yeah. of way so and if they don't win sure it'll be forgotten fairly quickly as well like you know so it's, it's just hard to know but in regarding football people commit to hurling but our own one it will be Michael Dempsey coming in from Leicester as well yeah. now again that's the big it's, one, not, yeah. it's not a performance Coach, but he is he's stre- he was fitness. condition yeah. and then uh, fitness as well he's, he's probably the best example ever of, of a football guy coming in to first Martin Forty he was involved in the 21s for a couple of years previously before he came in with Brian Cody and Martin Martin brought him on board in the 21s done his apprenticeship there and then went on Brian Cody he's been there for the last what, 10 12 years as well like you know so there's one good thing he gave us anyway leash man as well <laughs> he, <laughs> gave me, but, but he, he gave me my debut you know. yeah go on Brian but the job of the people that are constantly sending the messages so you're different types of coaches like your strength and conditioning coach or your fitness coach whoever you want to call them 
should they not be having that message coming across all the time to the players similar enough with your, with your hurling coach and obviously the manager that they're all in the one wavelength and they're, and they're putting the message across and don't they have like if they do want players with that individual touches and that's what all the coaches and all this big massive backroom team is about to me there's a little bit of PR involved and you know it's, it's just look it's a fad I think I suppose is the only way of putting it and um, you know, where where does it stop though? Like, cause the backroom teams are becoming massive. They're nearly an extra bus now at this stage. That's the thing. Like, I mean, if next year someone has a ballet dancer with a ballet background, <laughs> like, oh, will we want to keep them light on their feet? Like, does everybody start getting that, or do you need do yeah, you need I a heard, ballet? I heard that similar enough with Bikram Yoga there for a while. There was a few teams doing Bikram Yoga, and then yeah. suddenly that became the the buzz thing to do in the off season. And obviously, McGinney obviously had lads up doing boxing MMA. in there, and some of the teams and MMA exactly. And then suddenly, all all the teams want to follow that. You know, find. I think essentially it does come down to players, individuals finding deep inside them what their reason is, what their why is. And you know, you need to become strong in the mind. Um, you might need a little bit of help in that. There's no problem with that. But I think. Um, I think the performance coaches are just a, it's a fad, I suppose. Fad. And we had Cheddar Plunkett, right? A stalwart of the GER. He brought the leash hurlers around to different landmarks of leash and explained the history to it and explained them who the people of leash they were representing and gave them a bit of bloody pride in the jersey. Who needs a performance coach when you have Cheddar Plunkett, lads? Like, I mean, is that he's not a, what you want? He's all in one, isn't he? You can do it all in fairness to Come here, we'll just finish on this, lads, because I have you long enough. This is all we're doing today because we've seen no games and we're not going to bullshit anybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> about matches that we haven't seen um, and obviously that interview fell through which was going to bump it up to the hour Joe Quaid was tweeting the Sunday game last night uh, Westmead manager and friend of this show um, not even a mention of all the other games that went ahead in the rest of the divisions in the hurling league today elitist coverage games promotion my arse so like I mean Joe has a point uh we talk about the big games more. We're not a public service broadcaster. Like, I mean, public service broadcasting shouldn't care necessarily about ratings. They're servicing the public. And, like, I mean, this is our national games and Westmead have gone top and Kerry, they play Kerry in that final. And, Jesus, it should have got, it definitely should have got a mention. And there's a good little story in, in Westmead anyways because Joe's a great character. And, like, I mean bring him on as a guest pundit last night with Derek McGrath or something like that it's not an easy it's not a difficult thing just to give it to give it a bit of a yeah, mention especially last night with all the games yesterday with all, all the games called yeah. off as well there was wide open for an extra 10-15 minutes I know they spoke about Walsh Park a, a yeah. bit more they could have took out that segment and just put in something about the, the Westmead game there yesterday as well but yeah look you can feel Farmer right now he's trying to promote the game within the county as well and even just 5 minutes on, on, on Sunday Sport there last night would have been a huge Huge lift for the players. One of them sitting at home last night after winning on cloud nine after winning the game, sitting down on their couch watching that last night would have been brilliant for them. Like you know, they can they kind of yeah. have to look at that way too. Like I can only imagine Brian what it would be like for a Westmead hurler after topping the group, winning five, beat Kerry away and beat Antrim away. Um, you know, getting into that league final and for it not even to be acknowledged on the highlight show. That would be very, very demoralising. Now, like I'm all players don't play for coverage on the Sunday game or anything. You play for the love in the game and stuff. But for it not to be acknowledged means it's a lovely yeah. little touch if you if you do get mentioned on yeah. on the Sunday game. Yeah, like yeah, and I think people are, I think they're a little bit facetious if they're not uh, admitting to the fact that it is actually nice if you are on Sunday game, especially if you're not used to it. Like, yeah. All right, for like the JJ, there no offence, they're <laughs> in all Ireland, you know, year in year out, like in their household names, but. You know, there's savage hurlers in Westmead and, and Kerry and all these places. I mean, savage hurlers, like, and they're just not getting their day in the sun. And I can see 
much wider issue why there's resistance from the football to go into this two-tier system as well because they just know having looked at what's happened the John McDonough Cup and the Christie Ring where there's absolutely zero exposure to the game yeah. that it just falls off a cliff but there's a much wider issue and before you accuse me of having my RTE cap on for a second <laughs> I do think they are restrained like they would have set up what games they thought were going ahead and they would have sent off their you know their cameras to those grounds and then obviously yeah. they don't have cameras in, in the likes of um, the West Mead games or the, the, the Offaly Carlo or whatever leash in Dublin but I actually think we're, we're being a little bit hard on RTE and actually, it should be back on the GEA because it goes back to the to the rights that they've given to the to the different sort of companies. Like Sky have the mount, the most mounted evenings in which to run their their um their highlights. Uh, what's called the highlights package exactly, and they're not using them, and it's just ridiculous. Plus, I think, and again on a much wider thing, I think the GEA has huge scope to have a GEA channel, GEA TV. Um, I'd gladly pay a prescription to GATV as opposed to pay it to, to Sky Sports um, to, to watch games and I think the amount of games that there are across all codes all age groups that could be videoed we're not asking for you know huge um, professionally huge professional productions here or anything like that but you know how many times do we watch club games up and down the county with just one one camera and a local commentator and lads are just happy enough with just once you get to view them so I just think the GEA probably should take a little bit more control there and, and they potentially which they'll like to hear make a little bit of money off it and God forbid that they only break even uh, Yeah no I do take your point looking for highlights of Westmead because they hammered Mayo you're not really going to be shown the highlights but like they won't the top group uh, 2A to acknowledge that you could have got Joe Quaid up on Skype a Skype call you know what I mean or do some yeah. sent down they could have they could have kind of given them some sort of uh, coverage uh, just mentioning the Sunday game do you remember the first time you ever got a mention I I played well on my debut for Leash and I remember Martin Carney uh, did a package on my display on the Sunday game that night this was a huge moment in my <laughs> life I still remember it like it was massive I recorded it my I mother recorded record it, it. Yeah, yeah. I was actually in the pub uh, that night in Port Leash and it came on and I couldn't hear it I was like what's he saying he's doing a package of it and I, I couldn't wait to get home because I knew my mother would have had it recorded to see <laughs> but you're right you're looking at out to one eye with a feed of pints in you and you're yeah. trying to figure it out like, I was trying to shush a whole pub what's he saying about you're talking me? about me <laughs> but uh, no you're I remember right. but, like, one of my first ones was Cyril Farrell's famous he's a lovely wristy hurler yeah. <laughs> did, did you get described by him as a wristy hurler you did well who oh, did yeah. I, back in the day fantastic I'm sure JJ you, do you remember your oh, first time yeah, it's unbelievable like, you know what I mean because yeah. you're, you're going up watching that as well like, you know, and you're, you're sitting down every Sunday evening watch the, watch the highlights when you're mentioned then you're over the, you're all, absolutely over the moon. Like, yeah, you know, kind of, it's no, no point in saying the difference. Absolutely huge. Did Cyril Farrell ever say you're a wristy no, hurler? No, never a wristy hurler. <laughs> I'd say he, I'd say he's described me as a wristy hurler at this stage <laughs> with Cyril. Uh, is that is is that like a, a big ambition for a hurler to get wristy hurler off Cyril? Is there like a is, is there like a drinking game you do that night watching? It's the, it's the corner forward club. I'm afraid yeah. is all looking for that. That's all that gets that. That's all that gets that. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, lads. I've, I've kept you. I've kept you long enough, and everyone else. Just to say, we've done well there. You might have got up to about 50, 50 minutes there um, on a uh, when we've no hurling on the telly. So we've done. We've done <laughs> very well. well. <laughs> Come here. We'll be back on Thursday as usual with a review show, and we'll talk to you then. Good luck. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. 